Welcome to the Yoga Pants Podcast. I'm Sarah Ratliff. And I'm Nicole DeBoom. We're two successful female entrepreneurs who are running multiple businesses. We came together when I wanted to sell my business, Skirt Sports, and Sarah was ready to expand her Be Inspired Brands empire. That's right. I decided to combine the best women's fitness apparel in the world with my Zuma Women's Running Series. Today, I run multiple businesses, all geared toward inspiring and motivating active women to live their best lives. We come together weekly-ish to connect, share, and have candid conversations about what really matters to active women at all ages and stages. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for listening. Now enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Okay. This episode requires a separate intro because today Sarah and I interview a special guest and we go right into it. You're about to hear from Rose Wetzel, a pro obstacle course racer who represents the 40 plus crowd. She finished top 10 at three world champ races in 2022, including Spartan, Spartan Trifecta and the OCRWC 3K all in an effort to show that middle-aged moms can mix it up with the best 20 and 30-somethings in the world. Yes, I took that directly from her website, rosewetzel.com. And you're going to want to make a note of that because you are going to want to check her out after this conversation. As a certified personal trainer, certified precision nutrition coach, and certified life coach, Rose loves educating people about their health and wellness and empowering them to take bold steps to live their best lives. So Sarah and I got on Zoom with her and we were chatting away and I just started recording. So you're going to open up here with Rose just explaining where she lives right now, why she's there. And shortly after that, I mentioned the last time Rose and I connected, but I don't say anything else about that. So I'm going to give you a little background so you're like not totally confused. Um, I was referring to an episode we recorded for my Run This World podcast back in May 2018, almost five years ago. So much has happened since. Rose is truly a joy. I know you're going to love this one. All right. I think that covers it. It is time to hear from Rose Wetzel. So right now we're living and working in Costa Rica. My husband, Tim, and our daughter, Taylor, who's five. Why in the world are we here in Costa Rica? Well, last winter for seven weeks, we visited and lived with a friend in Mexico, El Carmen, Mexico. Um, And that was amazing. And, you know, when kids are young, they can learn Spanish so well. And I minor in Spanish, but I still sound, you know, like a, you know, five-year-old who had too much kombucha. Anyway, so I figured one unexposed her at a young age. That's part of the reason. But the real reason we are living abroad is because as much as I love Colorado um, for training people, all that, although my heart still lives in in Seattle where I grew up, but um, we went to Colorado after we had our kid and I was running in the snow and I'm one of those people who like didn't grow up in snow. I'm like, can't drive in the snow, I'm driving slowly, but that's fine. I'm running in the snow. I'm learning how to run and drive in the snow. This is five five years in, four years in to living in Colorado. And I fall on ice twice in April, which in my mind is like spring, right? But no, no, the ground is covered in snow and ice and I fall and fall hard. 
And I'm, as I'm lying there, I'm like, if I just busted my knee, like at the time I was what, 39, maybe 38. I was like, I just don't want some surgery. And anyways, I was fine. I has been super glued my gash and all as well. But I told myself lying on the ground in the snow in April and Boulder, I was like, I had got to find a way to do some training that's not in winter or wintry, snowy, you know, Boulder, like six months of the year. I swear it snows six months of the year, which yeah. is great if you love to ski. I'm sure people adore that. But boy, if you have not gone there in your life yet, um, in, it's it's uh it's tricky so a lot anyway so we we lived in mexico and costa rica and um it's pretty pretty amazing that's so awesome well i love that you um first of all that you super glued your gash so only like a badass ninja warrior would just take the super glue out and like push your skin back together or that's someone so who's too cheap to go get <laughs> but i like your version better yeah. <laughs> no, true. Well, it's funny, you know, um, you and Sarah are meeting for the first time. You and I connected like five years ago. I was like listening to our episode again and you were in such a different place. And I was going to kind of open with this sort of what happened since, you know, you were a new mom. You were navigating that tough, like emotional postpartum, which at that point I think wasn't quite you were talking about it but you didn't know what it was time yeah. you know after a tough delivery and you were adjusting to life in boulder and like forming new communities and trying to i think just figure out if this is really what you wanted to do all the while being in the hormonal craziness of emotions so you know since then till now how did things settle in for you you're right. I was in such a different place. And I remember uh, you reaching out to do a podcast, which was awesome. Thank you. And me, I, I didn't make our first interview. I just, I couldn't make it. I was, I was so, so exhausted. Um, my wonderful newborn was not sleeping. I was trying to train and train well. I wanted to, you know, come back so I could do it. And it was, it was tough. I'm not going to lie. It really um, kind of turned, turned my world sideways. And then I had postpartum depression, which is like that's the type of stuff runs in my family. So I wasn't shocked, but but boy, didn't mean it was easy. Yeah, I was in a rough spot, no doubt, when we first connected. And I, I did make the interview finally. And you did capture just the thick of it for me, adjusting. You know, I moved to a new place in the winter and you know, I knew some people there and they're great, but I was a new mom and just um yeah, dealing with the hormones, trying to you know, I need, I, I like to have lots of friends. I left a place where I had muchos, muchos amigos. And um, it was a rough transition to be, to be frank. But I did get my iron levels up. I did eventually learn how to run in snow. And I got to, you know, run in some pretty incredible trails in Boulder. So that part was awesome. And, um, you know, uh, my husband loves mountains. So that was good for him. And no, we'd love to try to find a way to like kind of split time between Seattle, where I'm from, my family is, and aging parents and lots of siblings, eight siblings, by the way, but not all of them are in Seattle. And in Colorado, where, you know, there's so much outdoor recreation and, and all of that. But yeah, so uh, I am in a much better place than when you saw me struggling with postpartum depression. And I learned a lot from that time frame in my life, you know. Uh, they say kids are great teachers and they really are. 
And my daughter taught me patience. She taught me that I really do truly love being a professional athlete because I kept doing it when it was it was so hard. I was I was not winning races. I wasn't winning races pregnant and I was not coming anywhere close that first year or two after um, pregnancy because it's just, one friend said it takes a year to start after having a baby, just be able to start training for the training, if that makes sense. And that, and that was really true for me. But you know, and if, um, you know, yay, you know, small fish in a, a big fish in a small pond and like, you know, high school and stuff. I wasn't, I was not a small fish. and I was a small fish in a big pond in college at Georgetown where I ran track. But what I'm going with this is that like, it's, I learned that I don't just do it to win. I do it for so many other reasons. And I run and I race because of a, what I like to call to my, to my clients, my personal training, coaching clients, like which clients, all that. Having a diversified portfolio of motivation. So having lots and lots of reasons why we are, you know, willing to get up and go for that run in the snow or in the pouring down raid or, you know, do whatever it is that we're trying to do that might not give us an instant um, reward. You know, it's all about the process, all about the process. Oh, what does that really mean? Well, for me, it means that at the end of a season, whether or not I hit my goals and I have ambitious goals, so I often do not hit my goals. I need to be able to look back before committing to another season with sponsors, with just the time commitment, with all the other career opportunities that I'm not taking meaning not that I'm training down big job offers, but you know, all the other things I could be cultivating. Every time I have to be able to ask myself, was that worth my time? Did I enjoy it really? Not worth my time. Like, did I get X or Y result? But did I enjoy it? Not every second. Am I enjoying every second when I'm like doing intervals and the last one is like, you know, vomit worthy? No, <laughs> I'm not enjoying that. Ah, maybe, but but I, but I need to know that I am understanding that this is life. And I never expected to do this for this long. I was a personal trainer after college. I ran in college, wanted to make the Olympic trials um, while doing a full-time personal training job in Seattle. And I loved that. I really loved it. I was winning local road races and costumes. And I was not looking to do anything different. And then I got, I had a friend who said, oh, you should try these, you know, Spartan races. I had not making the Olympic trials again. I'd come close. Um, in the 800, I'd gone, come within like a second, like run well under 210, but not enough to get into the actual trials. And then this other opportunity came by and I thought, you know what? I'm going to try a Spartan race. Sure. What in the world is that? And when I was done, I was like beat down, tired from head to toe. And I was like, my husband was like, oh, wow, she's either going to love this or hate this. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that was awesome. I have a lot of work to do. I got fourth. It was some like sprint championship I didn't know what that was but I was like this is this is awesome so I dove into that and then I I got to do American Ninja Warrior for many years and that was another great opportunity and I got into obstacle course racing right and this is before you met me Nicole this is more like eight to nine years ago but I got into it right as it was really blossoming and on tv and I had sponsors like Queen Sonic and Marriott Rewards and Reebok and I just got really really lucky with timing and it was just a good fit for me as an athlete um, it's funny, we were going to ask you, like, how did you become an OCR athlete? And you just told us. So, and as you can see, I'm very extroverted. I can talk a lot. I, I would like to think I'm a good listener, but the reality is that it's something I need to work on. Um, 
But you're but so really, you know, you are awesome, Rose. And this is exactly why this podcast exists, just to get real stories out there for people, because a lot of people probably look at you and they're like, she's been on American Ninja Warrior, badass national TV. She's just like super successful. She's probably never had a bad day in her life. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, right, yeah. And yeah. You, and the fact that you are so open and willing to share is just so appreciated. So thank you. And thank I, you. It, I appreciate it. And it's not just me here today. I know Sarah actually has something she wants to ask you about. What do you think, Sarah? What's next on your list? Well, I so and Nicole, you and I have talked about this before. So I am not a professional athlete nor have ever been. But so it's fascinating. I I have been an athlete, you know, and played a number of sports. But so your training is always fascinating to me. And Nicole shared some of hers with me. But so what is your training? look? What do you what does it take to train on a daily basis? What do you look? What does your training look like? I want to know about that. Yeah. Good question. And, and, and once an athlete, always an athlete, I would say. Um, right. in, in my, in my little world. Yeah. I think we're all kind of athletes in our own way. But, um, my training is really fun because it's such a variety. So maybe perhaps like some of you transfer triathlon where, and you know this, um, Nicole, but like, you know, you get to do such a variety of things in that. Sure. It's all generally cardiovascular with strength training as needed, but, um, but, you know, you're on the bike one day, you're in the pool one day. If you're a triathlete, you're running one day. I get to be in a gym a lot, I get, I, which I like, or I can do it outside. But I like a gym atmosphere. I used to work in one and get to know people and have that group energy that I appreciate. And then um, I run. I run on trails a lot. I still had to track sometimes to do some sprint workouts just because I, I enjoy that so much from back in the track days. It is a familiar place to me. Like if I don't have a training partner, I have a track to keep me honest. But I enjoy the the variety. The you know today's a cross train day, so I went to a gym and I did you know some jumping rope and I did some you know assault bike. It was a CrossFit gym and um, some you know snatches and and, and uh, you know ball slams and just a, just a fun variety that feels like play to me and monkey bars and rings and I like the component that feels like play training for obstacle course racing and enjoyer. And then the runner in me just loves to go run, run, run. You know, I don't tend to love the super duper far, though I do it because I need to. But I love the, the medium distance, the short distance, and the super short, fast, sprint your brains out distance. Uh, All of the intensity. Yeah, I like the variety. Mm-hmm. So, so I, funny because you were just saying, as though in general, all of us, when we go to the gym, do monkey bars and rings. I'm like, I was just <laughs> And like, how is she training? Like, how do you train for that wall at the end? How do you train for like the all the different things? Like, do you get a when you're doing the American Ninja Warrior that kind of thing? Do you get to like do you, do you actually know what those obstacles are ahead of time, and are you able to train for them? How does that? That's work? a really good question. That's a really good question. So, in most obstacle course races, Ninja Warrior switches things up, but they're still their basic skills that you need. And then same with an obstacle course races that are a little more like trail based. It's like you just need to be strong all around. You need to be um, mobile, um, but you just need to be strong. So, you know, there's some people who live in Colorado and, you know, Boulder has some great ninja, ninja type gyms and outdoor OCR gyms, obstacle course racing gyms. So you can actually practice going over the wall over and over efficiently. You can practice 
the monkey bars, although I've done plenty of monkey bar work at a local playground, which, you know, looks a little, not as weird when I actually have a child there. But the reality is that you can do so much to train even with a pull-up bar at home and some sort of, and, and a heavy rock to practice the heavy carries with, you know? So, I mean, I put my, I put my, my, my two-year-old, my one and two-year-old in a bucket back in the day and carried her as part of my training for that, you know, Spartan bucket carry. So you can really get creative, which I enjoy, or you can, you know, find a gym that has specific stuff. If you're like, oh, I really don't know how to flip a tire. Then yeah, it can be really great to go find a tire and actually flip it. But if you've been doing deadlifts um, or you've been just doing enough, you know, strength training in general, you're really strong upper and lower body, then you're going to be able to to figure it out and get it done. Or you'll do 30 burpees uh, if it's a Spartan race. And that's just kind of good, good, to, good to have to be able to do in your back pocket. And you can do that, some, you know, anywhere, no equipment needed. Right. Uh, well, what about the mental training? Sorry, so no, uh, Nicole and I talked about this. Uh, we actually did an episode on visualization where as a swimmer, Nicole would, and it was fascinating to me because I've never... I, I had never really used that technique in the same way because I wasn't, again, at an elite level where those kinds of things were so, so important. So mentally, though, um, what kind of preparation do you do? Do you use visualization techniques? Like, how do you get ready? Because, yes, you yeah. have to be strong, but there's a certain mental fortitude okay. that you have. So how do you sure. create that in yourself? For sure. A great question. And that's a question that I love because it, it, it's so important. It's important for athletics and it's important for, you know, parenting. It's important for, you know, dealing with bad bosses. I mean, it's important for so many things. That mental toughness, that ability to hold perspective. If you're having a really bad day or for me, a really, a really challenging time period. It was um, probably about nine months uh, or so that I was experiencing what, according to the research I did, was postpartum depression. I had like five out of the seven, you know, tick the boxes, feeling sad for no reason, um, not finding, you know, enjoyment in things you're used to, things like that. Um, none of the ones that were that were so um, thoughts of farming, thoughts of harming self or thoughts of harming baby, the ones where they're like, you got to go, like get medication, all that. And nothing against medication, by the way, if you need it, it might say go for it. Um, but I was just, just kind of above that spot. Necessarily, and, I, and I'm really grateful because I was running every day too, and that gave me an endorphin boost. And I was working towards something in a time away. Uh, I missed my baby, um, and I did. But the mental part. So back to the actual mental part. It's um, we all have tough days. We have tough days. We have tough weeks. Sometimes we have tough months and years. It's a part of life, and sometimes those tough parts are really the, the things we look back on and say, "Yeah, Nicole." You're right. I really was going through a hard time. And look at me now. Not that I was doing so hot. We found a scorpion, you know, in our place. So not like there's still our moments of like, ooh, whatever challenges. How do I help my daughter, who's just as extroverted as I am, find friends here for the month we're here? Yeah. Um, oh, boy. My poor husband, my poor, poor introverted husband. But really, it's, it's to keep that perspective. It's to remind ourselves that we've survived 100% of our worst days. So... This whole idea of like, I tell my daughter, we can do hard things. And we will. We'll find a way. We'll problem solve. We'll find a way through the tough part if we can, if that, if we can control that. And if we can't, then we, you know, we take a deep breath and we, you know, do what we can. But that pers perspective. And then um, I actually, 
co-authored a book um, called Winner's Mindset by Eric Severson and 33 co-authors. So there were a lot of us. So it was like one chapter. So don't let me sound too cool here. But um, <laughs> what, I, what I talked about was just like avoiding the I'll be happy when trap and avoiding the, you know, kind of like mindset traps we put ourselves into, um, including just the inability to, 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 to pan out and, and, and look at things from an outside perspective above and say, hey, you're, you, you, you can do this. You can get through this. Take action if you can. Take bold, big, bold action if you need to. Ask for help if you need to. Really hard for many of us, but so important. And so, yeah, but but specific to actual tracing and training, mental part, the mental part for me is just like remembering that I, I um, even though I, I, I race, I love to race, I, I love to train all that. It's, um, I am an athlete. It's, this is what I do, but it's not all of who I am either. It's not my whole identity. So really, you know, I can come back from a race and not do as well as I wanted or as well as I really thought I was going to be able to do. And like my kid doesn't care. Someday she might care. Did you win? Did you win? <laughs> but, 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 but. Here, I, like, you, I bring her back one, you know, toy from the dollar store and she's thrilled, you know. Uh, five and below is beautiful in that manner. I think that will last right. forever. But, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's just like it, it's, it's that perspective of like, oh, yeah, I'm, it's really uh, athletics is one hat that I wear. Or maybe it's two. It's my hobby. And then it's also turned into my career, which which is a big hat. But it's not my whole self-worth. It's not my whole identity. And so um, I keep I keep that in the forefront of my mind um, when I'm racing. Um, but at the same time, have this feeling of like, what a privilege to get to do this. Do it as well as you can. You're not always going to get to do this to this degree at this level. Do it as well as you can. So you can look back and say, man, I gave it all I had. And that was beautiful. No matter no matter where I, where I ended up at any given race. Right. Yeah, you know, you mentioned yeah. the I'll be happy win trap. And as a another former pro athlete, I remember that trap. And I also live with someone who lived in that trap for a very long time. And it's a dangerous trap because we all want to set goals for ourselves, whether we are elite athletes or we are trying to go out and run our first 5K. And we often look towards, okay, so after the whatever event, when I do X, Y, or Z, I will be so happy. I will reward myself. I will, you know, that that's the pinnacle. And invariably, I mean, you might get sick and not be able to get to the starting line. You might, you know, uh, you might do the thing, right? You might actually hit your result or surpass it. But there's always this like, well, what next? And so when you hit those moments, either you crash before you even get to the starting line or you don't hit your goal or you surpass it, there's invariably some kind of low afterwards. And this is as an athlete, you feel it much more than other people. You ride this roller coaster up and down, up and down, and it can become um, exhausting over time. So how do you tell people, you know, what do you suggest people do to navigate that roller coaster of energy ups, highs and lows that um, have to do with your expectations for yourself? How do you actually not fall into the I'll be happy when trap, in other words? Yeah, great question. And I'm I'm not necessarily saying that I've never fallen into that trap. Um, I mean, if I if I wrote a uh, wrote a practically wrote a book on it, I mean, again, a chapter, but still, it means that I that I have enough experience with it that I that I feel like I can I can speak from a place. And also, you know, I've I've worked with so many 
personal training clients over the years and um, being, being so extroverted. And I just, I chat with a lot of people and I open up, they open up and you learn a lot about people. And it's such a common thing that one, if someone's in that trap, you know, welcome to humanity, you know, especially if you're a, a high achieving person, you, you, you want to, you know, you see that something out there, you think, oh man, if I work hard enough, I can do that. And, but then when, when like you said, even if you, either you don't do it because you're so burnt out and you don't actually enjoy it or you lose all your friends in the process because you think I have to just go live in a hole somewhere, which people say to do, but uh, I know for me that wouldn't work. Because <laughs> um, if I were to, you know, become a world champion, which has been a goal for a long time, but I have no friends to celebrate it with, what, what is it? Congratulations, you ran around in mud and went on monkey bars and won some cash and a trophy. Who cares? Like, who cares? You know, like, um, that will not ensure happiness by any stretch um, or maybe a moment. And then he said like that low. So how do we avoid it? Well, one, you got to just know about it and know that it's common. Um, and then also, you know, do this whole enjoy the process thing. Like, you know, I should be training this specific way. Okay. But is that sustainable? Do you not have time for friends? Can you one day a week change your pace a little bit than what you think is perfect? to add in a friend who can then enhance your life socially and help you work through some tough times if, as they come up, because that's life, you know, then I would recommend doing that. And you're going to be better off and be better for long term. And consistency is key when it comes to training <clears throat> for any goal. And, um, and just having that, that social connection for a lot of us is really important. But, but then, yeah, knows that like, just, you, you might not hit a goal. I mean, it's like, if it's a big enough goal, you probably won't hit very many of them. I know I, I rarely hit my goals. I kind of, I, I feel like rarely because I, because I keep on shooting for the highest thing. Even as I get older, I'm like, oh, no, no. I mean, I just have to be trickier than my daughters in school. Like, I am such an optimist. Like, there are probably people who listen to me and my goals and are like, you're slightly del delusional. I was like, I'm going to be the first man of the work wall. Then I fell on the first off. It just it was really like, <laughs> what's, what's I was up? like nursing right before. And I'm so tired and hungry as the middle of the night doing Ninja Warrior like five months after having a kid. And I was like, oh, well, that won't be yours anyways. <laughs> There's nothing exactly about that. But on, um, well, I really think there's something to be said for actually having goals, though, when you think about it, because I, I, yeah. I had heard this story about this, this boy, this kid who had like dream, I think it was the Rugby World Cup, right? His whole life, he had dreamt of winning the Rugby World Cup, like it was the thing. And then I think he was 26. And he did like literally all his dreams came true when he was 26. He hit the pinnacle, he did it all. And then he was like, depressed for like a year, because he was like, what? Well, now what do I do? Like, there's something to be said, I think, about the beauty of a goal, about pursuing a goal that just it's magic in being able to do that. And then I think if you can balance that between understanding that that goal is not going to bring you happiness, but it's it's the beauty of life, the beauty of having something to to pursue that is like we're blessed to have that, I think, in a number of ways. Well, and that's brilliant you say that. So two things come to mind. Um one, there's a great documentary documentary called The Weight of Gold and Michael Phelps and a few others um, are in it. And Michael Phelps talks about, yeah, going through depression after um, the Olympics. I mean, he had a few Olympics, I think especially the last one, perhaps. Um, he had two DUIs. I mean, he just really went through to a, to a dark, dark place. What do you do? You're, you have praise in your name for, you know, one month, ultimate high. Everyone in the country's rooting for you. And then, and then crash. You're just becoming nobody down the street looking to buy some milk at the store. You know, it's, um, 
it's just it's it's, uh, it's it's something that they don't address. I think very well. They're saying at the US Olympic Committee, and they're hoping to get some more support there. But it's crazy. I mean, they have something called the wedding blues. Remember, someone saying, "Oh, do you have wedding blues?" Like yeah. just like this big rush. Like we love it. We feel so great. And the, and then it's next. And then and then what's next is this kind of feeling. And so if we're aware of that, we can say, "Okay, then you know, make my next goal, or just just you know, try to find some beauty in the you know the the world around that that mindfulness can come into to play um as well and um two nights ago my daughter was having a little bit of a rough jet lag night or whatever she wanted something special like ice cream or ipad i was like well you've already literally had both of those things today so i don't know why you want this at 8 30 like we gotta go to bed it was like tomorrow let's make it the best day possible and we did we made it the best day no 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 ever just little things she'd want to get a ladder to get coconut water and Someone had coconut water. I mean, just like from the, from the thing, like just kind of selective things happened. She saw a bunch of animals that she loves. We danced um, to some live music at a restaurant and went in the ocean. We just like, we, we just decided it was going to be the best day ever. And it really, truly was. Uh-huh. It was so cool. So um, there's that, there's that everyday moment, finding the joy in the everyday moments, which you sound so corny way, but it's just, it's so possible. Especially if you get someone, someone on board who's willing to be like, what could we do that would make this the best day? But we have a budget of like 20 bucks. You know, like, it doesn't have to be crazy. But I was going to say something else um, in regards to what you said. So the Michael Farber's part. Oh, yeah. I, I read a really, 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 really great quote that said, when shooting for goals, instead of thinking, what's the goal that's going to make me happy? Think, what's the goal that's going to turn me into the person I want to be? I like that. That's great. Right. And that's that that's really, I think, the way that you've got to think about some of those things is is what is it? It's a process, right? It's living in it, not okay, I'll be happy when. Because to your point, literally every day could be 20 bucks and coconut water could be like the best day ever, always. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, five is wonderful again. You see, but I had the best day ever. It wasn't just me. Okay, oh, yeah, then we went on a we were running, I was running late to go to the gym and didn't have much time. And then we have this bike. It had flat tires and our wonderful neighbor helped us um, to, um, uh, fix the tires. So it was actually working. I wasn't sure though if the flat was, was going to like just turn into flat again, but it totally didn't. And my daughter, <laughs> we're in Costa Rica. We weren't going fast. All the kids are just riding on the bike in the front of the bike. And that's how they're getting around. I was like, well, we don't have 24 minutes to do this walk with the fire. I put her on the bike the way the kids here are riding it. And we had the best time. Like she was just like, oh. Huh? I am just you no know, writing on a beach cruise in the front. And it's just kind of like, I mean, just the littlest thing was so great. But yeah, I like the quote. I like the quote a lot about, you know, what is it that, you know, what is it that, that what's a goal that's going to make you become the person you want to be? If you, and I like the idea of like doing hard things and doing them in a way that's like, there's a purpose to them. Like, okay, um, let's say I want to be better at uh, listening. Okay. Then I would be, it would be great for me to start a podcast. So I would be, I would have to listen to be a good unless, podcaster. Unless yeah. you're the only person talking, then you could right. just talk. But yes, yeah. you would, you would be an interviewer. <laughs> that makes sense. I'd be an interviewer. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to do well, mm-hmm. yep. I'd have to learn to listen better. Yep. I Very love it. I love your approach. Oh, um, and, you know, I think this this kind of segues into the next topic that we wanted to hit on. Uh, we were both reading this article that featured you that talked about like habits and the power of habits and habits of successful people. And the first thing that hit me was this word success. 
So before we get into habits, I want to ask you in your age and stage today as a mom who's clearly like, you are a lot of things. You said this earlier. You are not just one thing doing a specific job in this life. You are many, you, you have many roles and they all seem important to you and you seem to have merged them together. So my first question to you as that person is, what does success mean to you today? It's such a great question. It's, you know, so I, I was a sociology major <clears throat> back in the day and it's, you know, what success means, uh, it can change so much. It changes. It's, it's, it's so different for so many people. There's what society says is success. There's what you think is success. Sometimes those two are the same thing. And that's, there's nothing, to me, there's nothing wrong with that. If your version of success is, <clears throat> you know, living in, uh, having a certain lifestyle that allows you to do certain things. Um, you know, I, I know, you know, people who are like, well, I didn't get to do this when I was a kid. So I want to go do that. And for them, it was, they didn't have a nice house. They were, um, you know, when we, we had a, you know, have eight siblings and we always had like beat, beat up station wagons. And one of my brothers just wanted to buy a new car, but not even a fancy car, just a new car. That was like success for him. And like, that's great. I was happy for him. You know, that's so great. Like in my mind, I'm like, ah, new car, uh, you know, so much of the value gets, gets, you know, taken off as soon as you drive it off a lot. Like I would much rather travel. Like I felt more kind of confined as a kid. Because it was very much like, you know, we went to church every day and then paper out at school, paper out and family grocery and homework. And it was just very kind of regimented, although also kind of chaotic nine kids, of course. But um, for me, it was like, I want to travel. And so I found so a way to do like, the paper out. Sorry, I just want to ask. What was that? Were all the kids, was it like a family affair to do the oh, paper yeah. out? Oh, yeah. We had quite a few different routes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was... A very young child. I looked at my dad and I was like, I think at your age, I was at least rolling up the papers in the morning, Saturday morning. It had, they had to be delivered by eight o'clock <clears throat> and, you know, the weekend, but I was at least inserting them, inserting the ads into the paper and rolling them up. I don't think yeah. at that point I was quite yet, but I remember being quite young, so probably about seven with a big old uh, paper carrier all over me and it, like, like wearing them over your head. Have you seen one of those? They're old, they're old school. And you could put like 30 papers in the front and 30 in the back. And I remember wearing one of those, maybe with only 20 papers in the front and back, but like it went down and it was like hitting my knees. Like it was like made for an adult and it was like just massive on me. And it was just like, but I didn't know any different. All my older siblings did it. So it wasn't like I was like, oh, this is child labor. You know, it was like, right. hey, we got to, you know, make hands meet. We wake up and we do the paper out. And that was like my uh, brother Dominic is a sociology professor in New York City. And he said he likes to tell the students that um, it's poetic justice that the Wetzel family obstacles um, turned his youngest sister into a world-class obstacle course race. <laughs> but anyways, success. What does success mean to me? I think right now it means being, Sarah Vaughn said it, no, Sarah Vaughn, a great track runner, but I think it was actually Sarah Hall. Um, I mean, one of the, one of the world's, um, or at least the countries, if not the world's best marathoners. Sarah Hall has, and Ryan Hall, they have, I think, four um, kids they adopted from Africa. And she said, success for me is, um, is something like being able to develop my God-given talents as, as much as I possibly can while still being able to show up for my family. Mm -hmm. And to me, it was like, ah, I just even saying that gave me goosebumps. Like, you know, I'm, I, I feel so fortunate that I found my talent and my passion 
not everybody gets to do that, has the, the luxury, the time, the privilege, all that. I feel fortunate that mine happened to be one that wasn't very expensive. Um, running is very inexpensive and it's something that I easily discovered in PE class when I was beating the boys in, you know, running class. Like, I don't know, maybe someone would be an amazing celloist, but they've never seen a cello. I don't know. I just feel really, really lucky that mine was like simple and easy to discover. And the, the thing that I'm talented at, I also happen to be passionate about and I never had a coach mess it up for me. Um, pushed me too hard. You know, my parents, they couldn't come to my races. They had too many kids. So I never, I mean, I didn't have that support, but I also didn't have anyone screaming at me. So success for me just feels like being able to develop my talents, both as an athlete, but then also um, as a human. And and what that actually means, I'm still working on, but I'd like to do more public speaking. I'd love to, I, I've been doing personal training and I've helped some people just really kind of change their life in a lot of profound ways through personal training, that the strength and the, you know, which is what they needed to have, be, feel confident. And then um, I got a life coaching certification and I'm not sure what in the world I'm going to do with that. But I know that it's something, again, that would make me, I think, a better human because it talked a lot about asking open-ended questions and obviously you have to listen a lot. And so for me, I feel like there's so much more than just personal training to really help someone if you get to know them really well but also just being able to like, it would force me to be something that I want to be, which is a better listener. That makes sense. You know, yeah, I love success. this. Yeah, I absolutely <laughs> love it. And what I'm hearing is that you are also somebody who, to whom success is about helping others. Um, and so that's really interesting because when I interviewed you five years ago, you actually said something like, when you're feeling down, go help someone else, go volunteer, go give back. I thought that was so cool. And it still applies. You have not changed, my dear. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I wanted, I don't do, yeah, I want to do more of that. My daughter's five and I do want to start to in, incorporate her into some volunteering yes. because I was told by someone in Boulder who had two teenage daughters. She said, I wish I'd had them volunteer at a younger age. So that's, Thank you. Thank you for that. But I, that's, that's okay. so <laughs> Yes, we're all taking notes on this. So the oh. second part of this, topic that I think maybe we could just kind of roll on for a while here is this concept of habits. So like, yes, you have this idea of success, you know, which you have hit and are still aiming for in various ways, right? Yeah. And it's a moving target. And so when you break that down and you make it actionable, what can I do to achieve the success, the goals, whatever it is that I want in my life? I think it's cool that you've talked a lot about habits, about forming habits, about breaking habits. I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, what what habits do you think every person could or should um, incorporate in their lives? And maybe a little riff on how to start good habits and how to break bad habits. Yeah. So uh, the book Atomic Habits is a great way to start if someone really wants to just set some better habits for themselves. <clears throat> Tiny Habits is a book that talks about just, you know, um, making, I think there's the there's two, a few great habit books out there. <clears throat> they have a couple different concepts that are fantastic. There's this idea of habit coupling where you take a habit you already have, such as walking your dog. And then next to, you know, your dog leash, you have like a multivitamin. So you're like, I want to make sure I always have my multivitamin. I always forget Every time I walk my dog, I'm going to have my multivitamin or there's a jump rope right there. And so I'm warmed up from walking my dog and then a jump rope for five minutes. Something like that. So you, you have it couple. And the other concept is this tiny habits concept where you um, 
say you want to meditate for 20 minutes a day. Okay, well, you start, you're like, oh, that sounds so overwhelming. Okay, start with one minute, literally one minute a day, and then work your way up to two or whatever. Um, for me as an athlete, the we talked a little bit about the mental and that, that part is, is definitely huge, the perspective, the, all of that. Um, but for me, the, the physical is is so, so important. But really, I kind of like this idea of we're all athletes. Like we're, we're all human beings in bodies. There's a physicality to all of us. And the better we take care of our bodies, the better our brains are going to function for one thing. And, and the longer we're going to be able to last and last well in a way that that, 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 that serves us in, in what we want to do in the world. So for me, I just have some non-negotiables. So it starts for me a really great day, the best day ever starts the night before. So for me, it's like the night before. Okay, you know, what can I get ready for the next day? What can I do to set myself up for success the next day? Putting in my workout clothing really helps. Um, instead of waking up and putting pajamas on, get up and just put workout clothing on if you're going to do workout in the morning. Just just do it. Don't think about it. Have it thought about the night before. Go to bed at a reasonable time. You know, turn your screen off an hour before you want to go to bed. That's huge. Go to bed at a reasonable time. <clears throat> Um, you know, get a, get it hopefully a reasonable, a good amount of sleep, but, but give yourself a, enough time so you can get a good night's sleep. Sleep is so huge for recovery, physically, mentally. When you wake up in the morning, for me, it's so important that I just start right away with something that I can help myself on, with on a foundational level. And that is a big glass of water and my MitoQ, which is just this like cellular health supplement, but it's, I feel like it's more than a supplement, but it's just like basically the world's first mitochondria targeted supplement. And it's basically an, an, an antioxidant that helps, you know, go into the cells on a deep level. And what I appreciate about it is that when I take it first thing in the morning with my glass of water, I'm like, okay, no matter what the day throws at me right now, like I just did something really important for myself and my cells, like my, your cells, it's everything. And then no matter what happens, I mean, you know, I'm not, a, you know, summoned to, I don't do like in the morning fasting or anything like that, but whether I, you know, skip breakfast accidentally or this or that, or because, you know, my daughter hits her head and you go, who knows? I mean, there's so many things that can happen in a day, especially as a parent, I feel like. Um, but there's something about knowing that I did in the beginning of the day, something that was really, really good for myself that makes me like feel like I set myself up for success that day. So I have my water, I have my MitoQ, and I know my cells are set, my body is set. And then from there, I can have my healthy food, I can have, you know, more water, lots of hydrations, have electrolytes, that's really important. Especially here in the sheets in Costa Rica. I, you know, if I can get that one minute of meditation, yes, I'm still on like the one, okay, I've worked up to like two minutes, but that's really great, but it's hard to do with the five-year-old who wants to play and snuggle. It just depends on if she's awake or not yet. But yeah, that for me, it's like this whole idea of winning the morning is really, really key. So water, my MitoQ, two minutes of meditation if I can. And then another thing, especially as a parent, is this idea, and this could be with, a, you know, also, you know, a partner or anyone, roommate, whoever, but um, especially, you know, kind of like partner, child, which is like connecting, like this idea of connecting, especially a young child. They say if you connect with them for 20 minutes, like the rest of the day goes better. So instead of just being like, brush your teeth, brush your hair, but, you know, just being able to be like, 
how are you doing? How was your night's sleep? It makes the whole rest of the day be more tantrum free. So that's that's a successful morning for me. Um, taking care of my body physically and adding a little bit of that mental and social component as well. Love it. Winning the morning. You know, uh, one of my friends is named Colleen Cannon. Do you know Colleen? She's like an, a, tri- a legend of triathlon from the 80s. And she started Women's Quest, which is like a retreat business. But she said that every day, she's like a decade older than me. So she's, I think, 60. But um, she gets out of bed. And the first thing she does is she's created a line like on the floor near her bed. And she walks across it and puts her arms in the air. And she's like, because if nothing else, I just won. Like (laughs) that's starting the day, breaking the tape is so awesome. So I like that you took it a couple steps further, too. And I actually want to check out that product because, you know, one of the big things is that we are, as women, constantly navigating the hormonal energy flows of the journey we're on. And there could be a decade where you're feeling like, great, my energy is great. And then you know, a couple of years where you're like, my energy is really bad. And so anything we can do to keep our and to to put our energy in like a winning space from the beginning is just critical. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. And what I love about MindQ is that it's not like a coffee, like caffeine hit. In fact, when I first started taking it, I was like, you know, this came really highly recommended, but like, I'm not really sure I feel anything like, I don't know, you know, I'm not sure. But I did the full three months of taking it. And then just slowly but surely after a month and then two months, I just noticed that I was like lifting heavier. And which I want in running longer and feeling better. And I was just was like, what? Like, what is it? And I was like, is it that little pill? I'm <laughs> like, is that really just doing? And it's not doing anything like, 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 you know, I'm not waking up and like bouncing off the walls. But like, is that just this like, support as like, I realize what it's doing. It's making me feel like I'm 25 again. That level of energy. It's what it's because what it's doing as we age, our cells age, you know, after 20, you know, 30, 35 years old, our cells just start to age. It, just, it is what it is, right? Um, but when you're able to support your body on at the cellular level with this like this is a crazy scientific and it's like a company in New Zealand it's a crazy you know tons of like um research backed you know backing this um obviously I'm not a scientist but like (laughs) very 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 uh uh, good at going into the cell really deeply if that makes any sense it's just like okay and now I can feel go from 40 feeling like I'm 40 to feeling like I'm 25 well what's helpful for that for me is that I'm lining up next to 25-year-olds. And it's easy to be like, oh, I'm 40 or whatever. But like, I've got the drive. I've got the experience. But then I can also have that same energy because I'm taking away like the oldness of myself. And (laughs) and adding the younger levels. I mean, it sounds so like crazy in a way. But like, that's what I feel like. It's a little superpower of like, oh, yeah, I got to be in the starting line because I take care of myself. Um, with my no so I get to be in the starting line and I get to be feeling like a 25 year old just like you all but guess what I've got like 15 more years of experience I've made 15 more years of mistakes and therefore I will not make them today and 
hopefully give you all a run for your money is my goal. But yeah, so it's been pretty great. You're saying there is a magic pill. I mean, again, it's not magic. Like, we're dancing off the wall. And it's not like, oh, you don't have to do any work. Because all you do is take a pill. There, there, there's no such thing as that. I trust me, if there was, it would, that would, you know, <laughs> everyone would take it no matter what. But, um, but it's just this ability to feel like, oh, it's, it can combat yeah. my 40 my year old cells and, and the, the, you know, the aging part of my cells. And it's so valuable. I mean, really for anyone, I mean, especially when you're in the athlete looking for that extra 5% that can really be the difference between, you know, podium and, you know, nowhere near the podium. But also just like as a parent, sometimes I'm like, us, oh, like, it's so nice to have the energy to come back from a run and be able to play like tag and not yeah. just be it, like, on toes, you know? There's a lot of energy to be a parent. It does. Right. It really does. It does. I heard like, that, you yeah, I heard well, there was a study where Olympic athletes tried to keep up with uh, like maybe three-year-olds for a day and they were exhausted. Exhausted. Yes. yes, absolutely. And I have actually talked to people about how our generation actually plays with their kids. But like our parents didn't sit down and like play with us or play tag with us or whatever. So it is a different thing and we do need all the help we can get. And you know, I think um, this has been such a cool conversation and we're all like running around doing other cool things. Sarah's running an empire. You've got to get to the gym. And I'm actually, believe it or not, interviewing a mental strength training coach right after this. So cool. before we go, I would love, though, for you to give a couple of quick hacks on how to get rid of, we talked about how to add positive goals to your life. What how do you, what do you suggest for people who want to stop doing negative habits? Great question. It took me many months, but I worked my way through this 300 page Tony Robbins book. And I'll summarize one of the best parts, which was basically what you do to get rid of negative habits is you attach an immense amount of pain to those habits. So basically you think if I, you know, you name it, something you want to stop doing, you know, smoke, procrastinate, whatever. Well, let's say procrastinate. That's something I can really do. If you, if I procrastinate, like I am going to um, stay up late. I'll miss out on my sleep. I know if I get my sleep, I can conquer the world. If I don't, it's the world comes crashing down. Like, Rose, if you don't do this thing now before it's just about to be due, um, Sign up for the race now because if it's the night before, what if you flew there, but you don't, there's not a spot and then you have to write the race track. Can you please? And then they need special treatment, which I don't want. So um, attach immense pain to that. This, every time I smoke, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, a day I'm not going to be with my grandchild, you name it. Um, and that's the way to get rid of negative habits. Another way on top of that is to replace it with a better habit. Oh, I'm smoking because I want to, breathe deeper and that calms me. Well, see, what you, see if there's a way you can do that by just doing deep breathing um, and procrastinating because it brings excitement to my life. Oh, can I make it to the store on time? I only have three minutes till it closes and it's one minute away. It's like, make your life more exciting than the way. I don't know. <laughs> but yes, um, that, you know, put immense, attach immense pain to the negative um, habit and attach immense pleasure, the idea of pleasure and how great you'll feel to the habit you want to replace it with. Oh, I absolutely love that. Um, 
I, it made me think about a really funny last little story to share is a friend of mine is a, a life coach and was helping a client to take the first step to like actually do a public art show. And she's like, if you really want to do it, then I need you to set a like, a, a, a what would you call it? Not a goal or it was like a result that is really negative if you don't. And so the friend is um, a staunch, you know, liberal, Democrat-leaning type of personality. And she said, all right, fine. If I don't do it, I'm going to donate $5,000 to the NRA. $5,000. And so it motivated her to do it. The last thing in the world she wanted to do was give the NRA five grand. So um, isn't that funny? So I think it goes along with that concept, though, of like, attaching those types of like importance and emotion to that result. Yeah, totally. Oh man, that's one way to do it. Totally. Well, you know, Rose, you are just, you're such a rose. You're such a gem. I'm so glad we're connected again. Um, Sarah actually had to pop off because as we mentioned, she is running four women-centric businesses right now. Um, We all wear a lot of hats. And uh, she was really grateful to chat with you today, as am I. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. You two are fantastic to chat with. Thank you. So if there's any one last thing you want our listeners to know that they must know today, what is that one last thing? Yeah, I would just say if you're if you're stuck in mud, at a point you're like, if you're stuck in mud, just, you know, Keep keep picking up your feet. Keep keep moving forward slowly, as it as it as as well as you can, even if it's slow. And you will get to a better place. You you just will. The seasons change. Life does get better, especially if you're you know setting the intention and you're you know doing the work and you're you know uh, uh, if you're if you're not comfortable and you're in your itching, you're gonna you're gonna keep moving and it's going to be, get better. It is, and you're gonna be better off for it probably because. You're going to be more grateful for that day where you're like, oh, wow, I'm just not like feeling that way. <laughs> a normal day can be the best day ever because you're like, cool, I just am able to like have a haze of depression gone and I can just see how beautiful this Costa Rican canopy is right now. And um, wow, how did I even get here? And how lucky am I? How lucky am I? That's a great way to end it. All right, Rose, <laughs> until next time. Pura vida. Adios. Thanks for tuning in to the Yoga Pants Podcast. As always, we'd love to hear from you. So please reach out with any comments, questions, and suggestions for future topics. Now grab those yoga pants, ladies. Get out there and get busy living your best life. See you next time.